This episode is sponsored by the one membership by Template Monster. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the HTML The Things podcast, episode 79, Procrastination and Time Management, and Mike is Yawning. That's the official title now. I'm your host, Matt Lawrence, and I'm joined again by my co-host, Mike Corain. If you've been enjoying the podcast so far and you want to support us, there are a couple of ways that you could do that. You can review us on that Apple podcast or on that podcast platform that you're listening to this on. You can check us out on that Patreon. There's only a couple of tiers right now, but the $3 tier will give you a shout-out on the podcast, and we will share a link to a website you're choosing in our show notes. And probably the most important one is just to tell your friends that we're here and ready to be listened to. And if you or your friends are ready to go a step further, come hang out with us in our Discord server, which is well over 300 members now, growing every single day with a bunch of good conversation going on in there. So it's uh, productive for all. But anyway, Mike, Weekly Pain Point, other than yawning, take it away. All right. Um, I mean, I yawn because it's already kind of nighttime. We're recording. Oh, yeah. it, we're recording in the evening today, which isn't usually what we do, but that's fine. Uh, but weekly pain point this week isn't really a pain point. I just wanted to give everyone an update on my Hackintosh situation. So last week, if you haven't listened uh, to our web news, I kind of converted my main station into a dual boot Windows and Mac OS machine Hackintosh. Um, it has like an eight core processor in there or 16 threads and good graphics card and all that. So I figured, why do I have to use my laptop, my MacBook to do all my, you know, Apple development, which is most of my development nowadays. Um, and I converted it to a Hackintosh. I said I was going to last week. I did it one day. It took me about three hours. It wasn't as straightforward as I assumed watching a snazzy labs video on how to do it. But there's a supplemental guide that you kind of have to refer to once you do his video that takes you through the troubleshooting steps. So essentially how it goes is you do his guide, you get it set up to a certain point, and then you hit like an error. And that error will be different for everyone depending on their hardware. But this supplementary guide will be like, which error did you hit? This is the error. This is what you do. And then you kind of go through that a couple times, uh, and then you have it working. So it really isn't that bad. Um, it's definitely doable for an average person as long as they're tech savvy. And I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably tech savvy enough. So yeah, it's been going great. Uh, all my build times, all my load times, all my compile times have been got, like, you know, cut in like minimum four, but sometimes I'm seeing 10 times a speed, 10 times speed increases. Um, I'm able to utilize all three of my monitors, no problem. So I have way more real estate. Uh, there's really hasn't been any negatives. Um, the only thing that hasn't, I haven't solved yet and i don't i'm not going to plan to solve is uh um iMessage support and facetime but i don't care because i don't use that uh, what, are you, so, what are you talking about man if you don't use iMessage what are you what are you a blue bubbler so you are i am a blue bubbler nothing that, nothing but a dirty blue bubble that sounds worse than it's it weird is. yeah yeah that's yeah. weird but no yeah. blue bubble, but yeah fine. So, so like if but there is steps to follow to fix that I just am too lazy to do it because I don't care, essentially. So whatever. Like, so everything for for what I need, like Xcode works perfectly. Um, my VS Code obviously all works perfectly. All my servers work. So yeah, no no complaints. Been going great. Kind of kind of recommended as long as you have the right hardware. And yeah, that's it. I I was really expecting you to say because you said a few things and I was really expecting you to say Papa John's at the end. Nope. But anyway, um. 
So yeah, I think you actually did that Hackintosh build the day after we recorded, which was the day the show was uploaded. Like, you were going to do it on the weekend, and I think you just got it up. It was either the day of the podcast release or the day after the podcast release. You are just like, oh, I got my Hackintosh running. It's like, what? Okay. Yeah. Not the weekend I, yet. Yeah, I was waiting for my SSD, and then it just came, and I'm like, well, let's see how hard this is. And I just went through it, and yeah, I, I like I said, I hit like a couple of troubleshooting things, but the guide was so simple and straightforward with the troubleshooting that it, you know. It got me through it, and there's a Discord community for for this, and they help pretty quickly as well. So I asked, I think, one question after I already installed everything. I just had, like, a clarification about how to boot faster, uh, and they, they solved it pretty quickly. So, yeah, it's, it, it was pretty good. Maybe I'll, uh, I'll link some of the stuff in the show notes, some of the guides, and let us know if you're into it, and I can probably, you know, join our Discord server at me and I can help you out. There you go. Maybe you should make your own. I mean, if it gets big, you can make your own little, little hack and toss channel over there. For sure. We can all point and laugh at, at, at you from our windows land. But anyway, uh, my weekly pain point is image sizing. Uh, so just, just a bit of a, not a miscommunication, more of a, I don't really know what you'd call it, but it's like the, like we have a customer that, that doesn't necessarily like image size everything the way we want. I don't know what size images we need to do, so it's like you don't really realize how much content relies on that image size, and then you got... Like, it's just a big image size problem. And so when you go to, like, when you go to, like, any customer, and you're like, I need to know the image sizes. They don't know what it is. And it's just like, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to guess. In this case, it's a very image-heavy site, so we got some image problems and a bunch of other weird optimization issues that are happening due to image size, and so it's more or less a... I guess my weekly pain point is more closer to a content sizing issue, but it happens with almost every customer. So I mean that just that's just the way it is. But anyway, uh, moving on. This is a Mike heavy episode, so Mike, take it away into those segments, please. All right, I'll take it away. So segment one, procrastination. Let's get right in it and let's not procrastinate. Uh, so I mean, everyone experiences procrastination. I think everyone has procrastinated at some point and i think everyone procrastinates probably every day to a certain degree uh whether you realize it or not is a different issue and i'll talk about that a little bit later but uh it's at the same time something that you shouldn't be too worried about and at the other on the other hand it's something that you should definitely be aware of and try to tackle as best you can so the stuff that you could be procrastinating with and everyone can is stuff like Twitter, like any social media is Reddit, YouTube, you know, talking to coworkers or friends, you know, chatting on WhatsApp, uh, playing mobile games, whatever. Like there's millions of things now that we could be doing rather than doing work when we should be doing work. And that's kind of the definition of procrastination. Uh, sometimes we just want to avoid work and then sometimes we're unconsciously wasting time. So you'll, a couple times for me or you could pretty often for me, I'll find myself just staring down at my phone and like, going on Twitter and I'll be like, what? I'm supposed to be working right now. And I'll kind of like, you know, snap myself out of it. That's what I find like the unconscious side of it. Uh, And sometimes I purposely am like, oh, you know what? I don't want to do this. And then I go and, you know, watch a video on YouTube or whatever. Uh, So there's two different kinds that I experience. There might be more, I don't know, but those are the kinds that we'll be tackling right now. Um, So usually work that we don't like to do or it's just really complicated for us, or it's just piling up on us. That's what's going to cause you to procrastinate more than anything else. Um, it, like if you go, if you get to work and you have a mountain on your desk of like 
you know, paperwork or you have to organize these spreadsheets, like whatever you don't like to do on your day-to-day job, those are the things that will cause you to either mindlessly go to a, you know, a social media site or go and stand up and talk to a coworker for a while and waste a bunch of time. And it it has like a lot of side effects and there's a lot of things that can happen because you're procrastinating uh that some some are obviously really obvious uh the the biggest one is kind of wasting time and money for your company your employer or even yourself if you're your own uh boss if you have your own business or you're a contractor so that procrastinated time typically you don't bill that time if you're a contractor so you're just wasting it and you know not doing anything productive with it uh the other is if you have a project that has deadlines and you're procrastinating and procrastinating, uh, those deadlines will keep getting pushed back. So you're, you're missing deadlines on that project and you're putting that project in jeopardy of completion and in jeopardy of not being able to, you know, meet whatever contract deadlines you have. You could be, you know, wasting a bunch of money for your team and the procrastination can affect the team that you're working with and stuff like that. These are severe consequences that are obviously day-to-day procrastination where you're just kind of looking at your phone for a couple of seconds isn't going to do this. But if you're a serial procrastinator or it's a serious thing that's happening to you constantly, then you're procrastinating on a daily basis for hours on end, which is something that could happen. Um, that's when you kind of have to start worrying and these side effects can definitely kick in. And another not so obvious side effect is that like severe procrastination can lead to a snowball effect. So if you're procrastinating, uh, and you, you know, you miss a couple things and more stuff gets piled onto you. So you have more and more tasks, your procrastination will become more severe because you're worried about the task that you have. And you're worried that when you start, you're going to have issues with, you know, completing the one task and you're going to have more tasks come in. So that kind of mental, you know, uh, weight on you is going to cause you to procrastinate even more. So it it's a very, it could be a very serious issue for some people, which is why I kind of want to, you know, point at it as much as I possibly can. On the other hand, it's not something that you should be panicking about. Like if you're procrastinating for like a couple seconds and you think that you're wasting company's time that you haven't worked, like, you know, your company pays you eight hours and you wasted three minutes of those eight hours and you stole their time. That's not something you should be worried about. In my opinion, no company or most companies know that not all of their employees work time is a hundred percent optimized, right? They're trying to do their best to make it as much as possible, obviously. But if you get, you know, and I, I don't know if I'm going to catch flack for this, but even if you work, you know, 70% of those eight hours, I would say that's pretty efficient. <laughs> uh, from the offices that I've worked in and the environments that I've seen, a person that would, you know, put in six hours in a in a eight hour day is on a, on a consistent basis. Like obviously some days you're going to be extremely busy and you're going to be working for those eight hours, but on a consistent basis, um, that's a fairly, a very efficient worker in my, from, from my eyes, because it's just tough to concentrate on something nonstop for that amount of time and get, you know, get your efficiency as much as you can. So in general, procrastinating here and there isn't a bad thing. Sometimes we do need to step away and get our minds off of work. But I think the key is, is to take deliberate breaks. So deliberate procrastinations. Um, the, I think the problem with, with, with procrastination when it comes in is when you don't notice it's happening or when you don't acknowledge that it's happening. And that's when it can get out of control. But when you notice that your brain is wandering, I think that's when you had to, you kind of have to 
take yourself away from the situation and either a, you know, do a different task that you are looking forward to, like start a different task, maybe look at uh, some new co- some new infrastructures that you that you have to do, do some feasibility stuff, maybe answer some emails. Or if you're at the point where you're just kind of feeling yourself overworked and you're just always being pulled to all the different distractions, you need to step away from whatever you're doing. Maybe get up, go get a drink, um, maybe just sit there for a little while, like just kind of focus yourself. Don't do anything. Uh, another like a big strategy that I've that I've read and that I've tried to apply is literally give yourself like a minute of nothing. Like don't look at your emails, don't look at anything. Uh, it's kind of like a mini meditation technique. And this, all a lot of these things to like mitigate procrastination is going to vary from person to person severely. Like everyone is absolutely one hundred percent different in this case. Uh, I can just give kind of a general technique, but my in my opinion, you need to go out and try many different things to try to get yourself away from the procrastination. Um, and I'm gonna that's gonna lead right into my next segment which is going to be time management. But before I do that, Matt, do you have any input yeah, on so, procrastination? <clears throat> so one of the things that I will do actually just to kind of talk about the you, – you're saying it's a lot different for everybody and how they deal with their procrastination. And one of the things that I, I do often actually, and I, and I always have something on in the background basically. So oftentimes it will be uh, a podcast, but more often than that, it will uh, it'll usually be a show or something like that on Netflix that I've seen a hundred times. And how that helps me is it's kind of like the white noise effect where I don't need to be looking at it. It doesn't matter if there's a window on top of it. But I find myself – I find myself like what ends up happening is it's like something frustrates me. Like let's say even if it's a task I'm looking forward to, I go to do the task and it's just really frustrating for whatever reason. Like something happens and it's just like, damn, like now I don't know what to do. You know, you're starting to panic a little bit because you're like, I have to look this up. What do I do? And so – for me, that's where the procrastination would sort of begin and the distraction would sort of begin because I would open up Twitter to sort of try to calm down or try to open up Instagram or something. And then I'm just caught in this like loop of commenting or reading or looking at a thread and then you're stuck looking at other stuff and then you're like, oh, that's a cool movie. I'll watch the trailer. And now you're on YouTube and it's this whole other thing. So what I found works really well for me is if I just have something playing on the background in a secondary monitor or on my tablet or something, if I have that secondary thing, when I get frustrated for a couple of minutes, I just look away and just look at the actual TV show or whatever it is playing. And even though I've seen it a bunch of times, it's still like a reprieve. It's still like a bit of a relief from doing that task. And it it's almost like I'm constantly doing a leisurely task. Like, for example, one of the things that I always would struggle with, especially with school, is it'd be like, well, I could do this math homework, or I could do this, whatever it is, or I could be watching a movie, playing a game, going out doing something. I'm not, like, I do not want to be doing this work task, I want to be doing this leisurely task, even if it's a class you enjoyed. But for me, what ends up happening is that that TV show that's constantly on in the secondary monitor is like I'm always doing something leisurely. And I find that my anxiety level, whereas it's usually not out of control while I'm working because I'm just working away. It's not like I'm I'm dying, but it's like even the anxiety level while that show is on is lower even, like lower even still. And I find myself procrastinating way less and getting anxious way less frequently because I'm, I just feel like I'm constantly doing something leisurely and I'm just doing something on the side. It's literally the equivalent of turning on Netflix and just doing something on my phone. So playing, watching something that I don't really care about, 
but I know I have either a couple emails or a bunch of people to message back that night. And so I'm just spending time on my phone. It's, it's the equivalent, except it replaced the phone with me just doing work. And I find that that works really well for me. And during really intense times, if I have to think through something, I'll just pause the show because I've seen it a million times anyway. I'll pause it or mute it. And I do that frequently. Like I'll pause a 10 minute episode 30 times. It doesn't matter to me because it's just, it's just a matter of being like, Oh, I'm back in the groove. I can start playing my show again, start working away. Oh, what's that mean? I got to read a couple of guides, pause the show, read a little bit. Okay. Yep. Press play. Keep, keep going. I will say that a lot of people do that with podcasts. As I said, I do that myself. But I really have found myself only enjoying doing that when I'm doing something like data entry or something that I've done a million times because I end up not really listening to the podcast. I have no idea what's going on, no idea what I've just watched or listened to. And it's just it's just not good. Like I listen to podcasts because I want to hear about the topics. I don't exactly listen to podcasts because I don't want to hear what's going on, which is also why I watch a show that I've watched a million times. Turn on like Stargate or something and I'll just turn that on or an idiot abroad or whatever, like a show I've seen a million times. Just have that on the background over and over and over again. Yeah, exactly. And I like that's that's the perfect example of something that will work for some people and won't work for others because as you said, you pause it as well, and I, I have done that, but I've noticed that with shows, even if I've seen them a million times, um, if I'm doing anything that's not data entry or anything that's not repetitive task, I'll get washed away in the show sometimes. So regardless of if I've seen it a million times or not, I it's just one of those things. Um, what I tend to do is I put on some like I, if I'm doing something intense where I need to focus, I'll put on some music that's without vocals. So I'll put on some chill hop, uh, some ja- like chill hop jazz mix music. I'll put on some calm piano music, stuff like that. That's the kind of stuff I listen to when I need to focus and kind of get stuff done or if I'm in a coffee shop or anything like that. If I'm doing stuff where I know what I'm doing and I've done it a million times, then like I can watch a show without too much of an issue. I can watch a YouTube video. I can watch whatever. Like I can, I can have a secondary thing on and I can pay attention to both things enough to, uh, to, to finish my task. But it's very much personal. Like this, this, this decision and this kind of reaction is a very personal person to person reaction and you have to test it out. Like if like you're like Matt, where you can watch shows over and over again, then that's great. And you should find that and you should stick with it because it could help you. Like it helps Matt lower the anxiety and stuff like that. Um, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Like I know I've, I've watched a lot of uh, motivational and time management and procrastination stuff. And a lot of them have very absolute decisions like cut out all distractions. You know what I mean? Like, don't watch any videos. Don't listen to any music when you need to do an intensive task. I've seen that said before, and I disagree wholeheartedly with that because everyone is different. That's the problem. Some people, 100%, will benefit from having a silent environment. There's no doubt about that. I've seen it before. Um, but that's not everyone. So moving on to the next segment here, which is time management, and I'll get into some more techniques about what I would, what I do to elevate procrastination. I can't wipe it out completely. I am, I would say pretty bad with procrastination. Like I get into these cycles where I just procrastinate and I have even, you know, half days where I've procrastinated before. So I, I, I kind of suck at it, but I do my best and I have tried many different techniques and I know some have worked and some haven't. And I know the days where I'm not procrastinating and I know what I do in those days and that's kind of what I'll what I'll bring up right now. So I find I do my best 
in the days that I have very good structure. In, in a sense that I have to do, you know, A in the morning, like I have to go somewhere in the morning. I have to go, I have to finish this project by like 3 p.m. because I have a meeting at 3.30. And then I have a, uh, another, a, like another project that I'm working on for the next day, another deliverable that I need to finish for the next day. Those days, I hardly procrastinate. So I know that a structured day will give me the most outcome out of the, out of a day. Um, and with that, so how do you structure your days? Like, how do you make it so that every day or as many days as you can, you have that kind of structure. And to do that, you need to use multiple different methods. And some of those methods are task management software or solutions. So some of those can be like a task management app, uh, Asana, Todoist, Jira. We've kind of talked about them on the, on the podcast before, but they all solve the problem in different ways. And again, it's a personal thing. So my recommendation, if you're going to try a task management app or a task management solution is try different ones and see which one works for you. Don't get locked into one and be like, I hate this and I'm going to keep doing it. That doesn't make sense. There's so many options out there. Like you could do to-do lists on paper. You can, you can use a whiteboard. You can use sticky notes. You can do a combination of them. Um, and figure out the way that works for you. And don't be afraid to experiment. Don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to like use, you know, Asana and be like, I suck at this. Uh, it's not a big deal because you'll figure out what you're good at, how, how, what other thing works for you next. Now, obviously, sometimes you'll have situations where you have to conform into a company's task management software because a lot of companies do use like Jira, Jira task and do use Asana. Um, and I find with that is, you do have to kind of power through it. So if if you really don't like Asana or Jira and your company uses it, you kind of have to just force yourself to sit down and use it as much as you can, maybe supplemented with your own best methods. So if you have, let's say, if you like to do paper to-do lists, try to like use Jira as the company requires you to do it, maybe with like larger tasks, but then your daily tasks, you still use your to-do list. It's okay to supplement the two. Like you don't need to just, you know, wholeheartedly go into one if you don't want to. Obviously, preferably you have everything in one because then you have a kind of a cloud solution and you have, you can check it on every device. That's the best way. But I found even for me, I use a paper to-do list and I use Jira. So that's, that's why I brought that, that situation up. That uh, actually, kind of... to, to sort of jump in there, actually, yeah. if I may, um, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the things I used to do at, uh, at, when I used to work for BlackBerry actually was we would have our own solution, uh, whatever software it was. We'd have our own solution, obviously, uh, just for the different teams to deal with their to do's and deal with their tasks and all that stuff. And one of the things that I would, I would do as a sort of, uh, way to keep myself sane as well as not constantly have to, go into this big list of tasks because I, I found it stressful to go into like this big list of tasks obviously and see like all this stuff that's going on and what's coming up and stuff like that so what I used to do was I used to do uh, like sort of a mosaic on my whiteboard so I would write down the tasks like just the titles of them you know need to move I don't know router to here ship these usb cables whatever and i would draw i would draw them all out and then i'd draw like boxes all around them so my whole whiteboard would be this and it wasn't even in like a table but it was like a mosaic of just tasks that were written out some of them in vertical some of them horizontal so it looked kind of messy but what i would do is if i would look at my board every day and if my board was full i wouldn't add any other tasks unless there was something priority that came in and that kept me saying, I'm like, okay, this is what I need to do. And you could start at the top left, the top right. You can take a look. It doesn't matter. And I would just go through and I'd be like, okay, I'm done this task. And I would erase it. And then once I erased it, I would go into the software, you know, fill in my log, mark it as complete, whatever I need to do. And then I'd keep moving on. And I can either replace that tile or not. 
So what I would often try to do is clear off as many of those little tiles that I made in a day. And that allowed me to sort of have, I'm not even a, a pen and paper kind of guy, but that would even allow me to sort of have that pen and paper solution. But it keeps me out of the task management software because anything important was going to come in via email, of course, because all task management software has alerts for, you know, if there's a big thing you get assigned to or whatever, you get a, you get an email. So I don't need to worry about seeing all the stuff that's upcoming and getting stressed out. And then the procrastination starts because you start freaking out. I just go and I'm like, oh, I wrote this big mosaic. Okay. You know, I'm going to do this task, this little tile here. That looks easy today. Let's knock out, let's knock out eight tiles today. Okay. Let's knock this out, this out, this out. These are easy, easy, easy. This one's been sitting here for a while. I better get that done. That one's going to take half a day, whatever. And that really helped me. And I was actually told by a couple of people there that they, they actually liked that I did that, that it just seemed a lot cleaner and you didn't have to worry about logging into the software all the time and dealing with it all the time. It was just like, I am done the X task. Now log into the software. Now use the software so that everyone else knows it's done. But don't use the software. Don't use the software where it's not needed. I just needed that little note on my board to know what to do. That's at least for the tasks I was doing anyway. Yeah. And that's – see, it's very – it's really interesting because essentially it's the same thing, right? Like if you break it down into nothing, into it's just data. You're just – when you go into the software, you're seeing the exact same tasks. Yeah. But the anxiety comes from just how they're displayed and how you interact with them. So – and this is a very personal thing. Like you found a way around that and that's why like I just want to point that out is that every person is going to have to find a way around their anxiety with their tasks that they have to do. And that's a great way to do it is to have a whiteboard with a bunch of sticky ta- sticky notes. And that's more visually appealing and it's more satisfying yes. in a sense, right? Like that's the, that's the point. Like when you're, when you're done a task, you physically rip off one of those sticky notes. <laughs> yeah. Or you, in my that, case, you just erase the damn thing. Or completely. you just erase. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's the, that's the satisfaction. Whereas if you go into the software and you close it, it's just gone. And that's it. And it's like a one click and it's not as satisfying. So it's to find that satisfaction for yourself that will make you want to continue to do that ta- those tasks over and over and over again. Because that's, that's I mean, when you have task management or when you have a ticketing system, you're going to have to figure out a way around it. Otherwise, you're going to go insane. Correct. Yeah. So with that being said, the other ways that you can kind of structure your day uh, and to get a good start in the day is to develop a good morning routine. And this is something that I found worked for me. Again, it could, might not work for everyone else. Um, but I found that if I have a good morning, like if I, if I go through my routine in the morning, my day will be more structured and it will, and I will get more work done. I'll have less procrastination. So what I do in my day, and again, this is going to vary for everyone, but I get up, make my bed, check my emails, read the news, go, get to work. Those are the things that I do in, in a row in my, like on my typical day. Notice I don't eat breakfast is because I'm doing this intermittent fasting thing. I eat like later on during the day so that it kind of streamlines my day. The the breakfast is actually something that was giving like was making me less productive, which is why I I went into this intermittent fasting route because I I kind of I'm a morning person. I like to start my day as fast as possible and start working as fast as possible. That's where I get all my production done. Um, So that that's kind of how I structured how how I structured my morning. Everyone's mornings could be different, but if you find a structure and if you find a routine and if you stick to it, you'll notice that you're gonna have a better 
like good base for your day. Like we always talk about having a good base for everything that we do. Like for instance, have a good JavaScript base, you know, like when you're, when you're going into a framework, make sure that you know the base of what it's built on, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that that kind of carries over to the day. So every day have a good, if you have a good base, you can build on that. Where if you have like a really sloppy base, uh, you're, you know, your tower is not going to be very sturdy. So your day is not going to be very good. Um, the other thing is learn to organize Learn to recognize when you are procrastinating. So I've already mentioned this before. I think a really important step in stopping procrastination is knowing that what you're doing at this current time, like if you're, um, I mean, hopefully you're not listening to this podcast and not working, but if you are, you're procrastinating, right? So, and you're, you, if you, once you recognize that, note down why you procrastinate and then continue with your work. And then maybe just doing that physical step of actually doing something to stop your procrastination of noting down, okay, I'm procrastinating because I didn't want to do task X and then continuing to continue to work might help you stop. Again, it's, it's a technique might not work for everyone, but it's one thing that I have done before and it did work for me to a certain degree. Um, and again, like Matt said before, you can try different kinds of background noise. So again, background noise TV is a very, very common one. A lot of people watch shows in the background. A lot of people listen to music. There's also white noise. Like you can have like the bumbling coffee shop or the ocean or just, you know, just general white noise, like a fan or something. If you need something to be on, like if you can't sit in silence, then find what works for you. We've already talked about what could work. If you're procrastinating because you're stuck on a problem or doing, or doing some like a, or there's something task at hand, maybe try to a different task or shift to something else. So if you're, if you're procrastinating because you're building a server call and you're having issues connecting to the server, um, maybe you should step away from doing any sort of server stuff and work on a front end, or maybe you should step away from doing any, any of that stuff and focus on your emails. Cause you got to answer them anyway, do something else that you know, you can do and you can solve, like solve a couple tasks Get your mind off your issue and get your mind off procrastination and then come back to it once you have a little bit of clear a clear mind. And like I said before, with that minute of silence or minute of clarity, um, a lot of the time when you have that and you stop thinking for a second, you will start finding a solution faster because we always get into the situation where we're just way too close to a problem. Uh, and we're just trying the same thing over and over again or something, or, or we're trying the same thing over and over again. And then we kind of shift to just looking at social media because we're just so tired of it. Again, procrastination. Um, it's better, it's better to step away and do something else productive or even step away and do something else not productive, but know that you're doing it because of this. Again, it's that note, noting that you are procrastinating and actually doing it deliberately rather than doing it subconsciously. And then if you're procrastinating starting a project, because there are just too many ways to start a project, like if you have like, I want to make a new website and websites about like gaming or something, uh, how am I going to do this? And you're just sitting there and you're like, okay, well, I could do that. I could do that. I could do that. Um, Matt and I were talking about it recently, but what we usually do is we just throw a bunch of ideas on a piece of paper or in like a task management app. Uh, where we can both see it and just throw them all down. Like we just type away, like we just start typing, like get as many ideas, whether they're bad, they're good. It doesn't matter. Just literally get, just pile them on, like, like puke them all out of you as, as, as much as you can. And 
once you do that, once you start the process and you get the ball rolling, regardless of if it's bad or not, even if you do, some, even if you complete like a task and it's bad, it's better to complete it and do something than just sit there and just panic and you know do nothing because there's just too many options for you. That's a really good one. I know that that was that was one of the things that Mike and I have constantly talked about and brought up is the fact that we would try to do our show notes and we would sit there for like two hours, honestly, and it would just be this big. What do we do? What do we say? That that doesn't sound right. But if you just write down the ideas of what you're trying to cover, you yourself, well, ourselves trying to make a quality show will try to go in and be like, no, that doesn't sound right. I need to fix that. But the point is, is there's something now there to fix. It's not a blank line where you're trying to make the perfect line. You are now trying to fix those lines. And so we just write a whole bunch of crap out. And then we eventually just move move on. It's the same with any sort of unless any sort of UI UI layout or anything like that. So sometimes, if you don't have a prototype or something needs to be spun up real quick and dirty, and you just need a really quick UI put up for some sort of event for your client or whatever it is, right? Something needs to be spun up, so you don't you can't have time to do the wireframing and the research and whatever else you need to do. You just need to do it. One of the things that I always found was just start putting in the divs. And putting in the elements and all the rest of it that you need. So if you know you need a heading at the top, you just put a heading. And just like an H1. Don't even style it. An H1. You you know you need a chart. Maybe you put it into a, like an actual HTML table. Maybe you're going to make your own sort of table out of Flexbox or Grid or whatever it is you're going to be doing. Just start doing that stuff. And slowly you will slowly you will keep working away, working away, working away. We, we, wor- we worry so much about deleting things. You might put in that HTML table and then change it to a CSS grid one and then change it to a Flexbox one. So you've deleted it twice. And we worry for so long about the potential of us deleting that table that we actually spend more time than we would have if we just did that whole process. Make the HTML table, delete it, go do the Flexbox table, delete it, do the CSS grid, that's what you stick with or whatever the order is. We worry for so long and we just don't get anything done. It, and also, just like anything else, as you progress something, so as something's version increases, so even if your website's, you know, quote unquote official version isn't increasing, the amount of versions you've done in that first draft has increased. So by you doing those tables and changing the headings and doing whatever, it just keeps getting better and better and better and better. And then sometimes you need to step away, come back the next day. Those box shadows look dumb. Delete them. This looks stupid. Get rid of that. This table doesn't look right. This alignment's all mad. But the point is, is you are constantly tweaking it to improve it. If you have nothing on the table, it's not going to be very good. It, like it, or it's not going to look good on your, on, on your behalf. And it's also not good if you work and work and work in your brain on what you think the perfect solution is, whatever you put down is actually that first draft. doesn't matter. That is actually your first draft. It might be a little bit more thought out than other people's first draft, but it still hasn't been iterated upon. And so it's better just to sort of dump whatever it is out there, just get it done, and just just go for it. There's a reason... Now, if you're an IT professional, you're going to be resistant to change, and that makes absolute sense because your goal is to keep things up. So there's some, you know, it, there's some jobs, positions, whatever, that kind of beg to differ, that be, that would that would do the opposite. However, even with them, if they're architecting something on paper, the best way to architect anything like that is just to spit out a bunch of your ideas and brainstorm it for your new infrastructure that's coming out, to then iterate on it a few times, get it peer-reviewed, whatever, 
and then you lock it down in its, you know, quote unquote, version one final state. We're out of draft. We're in production. This is what our infrastructure looks like. Now it's locked down. But an infrastructure or anything else in IT that you've done one draft and made that the production thing, no peer review, no or minimal peer review, no iteration or minimal iterations, it's going to be worse than the guy that was just like, let's make something dumb. We know we need a router, to, right? Let's put a router here. You know, and then everyone's like, you're an idiot. You need it. We should have a layer three switch or whatever. I'm not going to get into all that. But the point is, is that that thing, that moment where you took the router, throw it out, put the layer three switch in. That's an iteration and that's an improvement that wouldn't get caught unless you had the time to spend iterating. So don't sit there and like panic. You put put your ideas on paper. And another thing actually I wanted to share, it isn't necessarily, it's kind of time management, but it's just something I heard recently actually on the radio and I've been doing it and it helps. Um, this has to do with falling asleep actually. And this is a time management thing that that's with to-do lists and such. So, so one of the things that people always say is that, I mean, some people always say is that when they try to fall asleep, they are like mind races about what they're going to be doing that next day, that month, that, like whatever, you know, the stuff that's coming up. Uh, one of the, the, the biggest thing apparently that worked for a bunch of people, according to some study, whatever it was, I don't know, I heard it on the radio, was that you should write down in a to-do list exactly what you want to do the next day. So physically write that down, whether it be on a pen and paper or with pen and paper rather, or on your phone or whatever it is. So I, ow, I actually have set up, uh, if I haven't just broken my thumb is, um, on my phone, I actually have, so I have the Microsoft launcher, or whatever, we're not going to get into the details, but I just swipe to the left now and I have like this big, it's called the glance view on the Microsoft launcher on, on Android. And I have my two, I have Microsoft to do. And I have two accounts signed up on my personal and I have my work account. And what I've done is I've actually taken the widgets and I put them in this glance view. They're at the top and I can quickly add the add tasks to both my work one and to my, my personal one. And I make the, I made the views be the quote unquote planned. So when I click new, it'll try to add it to today and I can easily switch it to tomorrow or whatever it is, depending on what time I'm going to bed. If it's midnight, it's today. If it's, you know, whatever, if it's 11, it's going to be the, the, the tomorrow. But I actually just add all the tasks that I want to do the next day. And then I don't even really refer to any other tasks or tickets or anything like that. And I just sort of do these tasks. And what I found was, is I was writing logs for myself, sort of like a little journal, point form journal, just saying, I, you know, I did this database work today. I did this today. I did that today. But I was getting anxious when sometimes it was like, it just said database work because that database work took eight hours. And then you go back and you look at the other pages. You're like, well, these other guys or these other pages have 12 points. But this page only has one because that one point doesn't really reflect what I did that day. That database work on all those other points may have been 10 minutes. This one was eight hours, you know, whatever. So this way, when I go to bed, everything's written down. I already know what I want to do tomorrow. I wake up and I, you know, check my email to make sure that nothing has to change because things can change in, in, in everything in tech and whatever because it's rapid moving. But now I go in here and I can just look and I know exactly what I need to do. I need to know oh, I need to do this page tomorrow. I know I need to do, I need to verify this other thing. I need to message this guy tomorrow. I need to schedule up some posts tomorrow. Like I know exactly what I need to do and I end up, and it, it is legitimate. I do fall asleep way faster. So that's interesting. Yeah. And, and so because I just don't care, it's like I wrote it down and, and there's been actually times now, and this is like a, this is like weird for me because I usually don't follow these weird little health things, but it, this is just something that clicked when they were even just discussing it is I've 
been laying in bed. Like I've wrote out my to-do list and, and I don't go overboard. I had like three, four, you know, three, four major tasks. I'm not going to write, like put socks on, you know, that's ridiculous. But, um, I have like forgotten something and been laying in bed and have like rolled over, grabbed the phone, put it down and then turn back over, fall back asleep. So that's, that's interesting. I, okay. So a couple of things there is I have done something similar to that. Um, where I, at the end of the day, I'll put down a to-do list, usually pen and paper, um, of what I want to accomplish the next day. Now I never, I never link that to falling asleep faster. I've never had an issue falling asleep though. So that, that, that may be why, uh, but that, that's a good idea. The other thing that I like about your strategy is you only write down a few things. So like three or four things. Cause what a few times that I have done that, I think I've written too much and I've, that's, that alone has given me kind of anxiety and cause procrastination where if i have too much on my to-do list that will make me do less if that makes sense um so i think that's another thing where it's like a person-to-person thing but you have to find the optimal amount that you can get done or that you can look at and be comfortable with to do the next day that's i think that's that's a, a smart decision on your part to limit it a little bit and not write down every little thing because I think it would have the opposite effect on you if you did do that. Yeah, it's like the – that's a really good point is it's just the big goals or things that need to be – like need to be done. Like if I absolutely need to message this guy and I know that that's going to back stuff up, even though that's a small thing, I put that in because I know that's important. And so now I don't – I no longer need to remember it if that makes sense. I no longer need to think it. And then since a to-do is on everything, it's on my iPad, my laptops, my desktop here, my phone, wh- on my watch, I think, I don't know, wherever it is, it's all right here. And I don't even have the, I don't even have the push notifications. I don't, I don't bother with it. I literally just, I literally just swipe over to the left. Like it's just a habit now, wake up and swipe over and be like, oh yeah, I need to do this, this, this. And I never worry about what I need to do that day. And if I get everything done, or sometimes I don't, but I don't stress about it because it's like, oh, I was supposed to message that guy today, but I remembered, you know, maybe he was on vacation today and I need to message him actually tomorrow. I just leave the task in there, even though it's quote unquote overdue. I don't really worry about it. It's written down. It's right there. I know what I'm generally doing. And so that's how I, that's how I handle it. Okay. And, and another key thing, just a real brief thing is apparently, and I do do it this way. Apparently, according to this thing is you need to do it right before bed. Mm -hmm. If you do it otherwise, then you start like thinking about more things. Like if you do it too early, you'll start thinking about things before you go to bed. So I actually just do it in bed. And I'm in bed. I just type all the stuff out because it takes like two minutes and then I just, whatever. So cool. Yeah. Mm, Good to know. Just a small, small tidbit and should have been a tidbit episode, but, uh. Uh, well, anyway, uh, I'm going to move on to our sponsor spot, unless uh, unless you have anything to add to any of that, Mike. No, let's sponsor it up. All right. Well, uh, this episode is sponsored by the One Membership by Template Monster. One Membership, your ultimate web development kit. This includes WordPress and CMS themes, e-commerce themes, powerful plugins, presentation templates, diverse graphics, unlimited installations, 24-7 technical support, and one year of free hosting. Use our link, tinyurl.com slash HTML, all the things, and our unique promo code to receive 10% off. That code is HTML, all the things, 10. We receive a monetary kickback for any purchases made using our link and promo code. And I will put a put this link and the written version of that promo code in our show notes. And now on to the web news. So I, I wrote up the web news this week. I just wrote some abstract notes on my phone here because I don't really know. Again, it's one of these things where I don't really know what to call it. Um... But this stemmed from the Microsoft Duo. 
Now, I want to be clear that I'm not ripping on the Duo or anything. I actually think it's a pretty cool device. Uh, but it's it's a it's an industry problem. So this applies to the Duo as well as a bunch of other devices. And what I'm talking about is specific innovations that uh, that force people to do non force developers in most cases to do non standard things. And whose responsibility is that? So I watched the Dave 2D video. Uh, if you don't watch him, he's a, I'll probably link a I'll probably put a, a link to his video in the in the show notes. But he did a video about about how the Duo. So this is a Microsoft phone that has two screens. It's not a foldable screen. It's two separate screens that fold together, but they're not a, it's not a bendable screen like the Galaxy Fold. So it's two separate ones. And what they do is they allow you to either open an app on the left screen, open an app on the right screen. You can also, so it looks like a book. You can also turn the device to the different orientations. You could have like a top and a bottom screen. You can have, you can have apps st- like go to the left screen, like I said, the right screen, the top screen, the bottom screen. You can have different things like the controls of a game on the bottom screen and the game playing in widescreen on the top screen. You can also have things like when you, uh, when you, Click and drag, so they showed Outlook. I think this is all in the emulator. When you click and drag Outlook, the app, into the center, it like does this split view thing where it has the list of your emails. So, you know, all your emails coming in on the left. And then on the right-hand side, it opens up your email that you have selected in full screen. And so, that's really cool. But we have a major problem here, and that is that, as we've seen with smartphones and a bunch of other things... It's really hard, if not impossible, to get developers to do anything for specific devices because it takes too long. And then with that said, because those devices are sort of, I was going to say their gimmick, but it's not really their gimmick. It's their, it's, I don't really know how to describe this. It's not, it's not their gimmick. It's what they rely on. So the Duo kind of relies on its uniqueness of having the two screens. And so we have this issue now where developers are more than likely not going to develop the split view thing. Their apps are not going to be optimized for this dual screen thing, this dual screen setup, if you will. And as a result, it's probably going to work best if it opens on the left screen or the right screen. But going into this split view or going across the two screens looks horrible, like the guy Dave D showed a game. And there's just like, because it's two separate screens, there's just a physical bezel in between. So he was playing like a shooter game, and the shooter game just, like the center of the, the center of the damn screen was just cut right off. So I don't know whether that's split view or what that is. But what, what I'm bringing up is, again, this is, this applies to other devices that have tried this type of stuff. Whose responsibility is it to bring these innovations to market? These hardware manufacturers are kind of taking up the responsibility by making the hardware and then making a software experience where it works, right? But we have this issue where it's not popular enough having been on one device. So that hardware manufacturer, having put all that R and D and put all the building and like got the logistics of bringing the, making the devices and bringing them to the, whatever countries that need to buy them and talking to the carriers and blah, 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 blah. All of that goes, you know, wasted because no one buys the device. And so developers don't want to develop anything. And because developers don't want to buy, do anything, anyone even interested in the device is like, well, it's not supported. So then they don't buy the device. So you, you're left with the enthusiasts. And then you're, so you're basically left with the enthusiasts and, and first party apps that are developed specifically in this case by Microsoft. So, but I guess my question is, like, I don't really know, I don't really have a direct question for this web news. It's more of a conversation piece. Is it's like, is it Microsoft's responsibility to 
stick with the duo, no matter what. Kind of like what they do with the Surface, where they just need to stick with the duo, do a bunch of do a bunch of iterations, to sort of entice these developers to build something for it. Do they need to take up the torch and actually develop an app for this? Do they like? Do they require? Do they need to make? Like I remember back in the day, uh, back in the day there was like Facebook for BlackBerry that was completely different looking than a bunch of the other Facebooks. It was in the same realm, of course it's Facebook, but it did look different. So it's like, is this Microsoft's responsibility? Do they need to lend a developer to some of the big boys and say, "Hey, Twitter, we would love this thing to work in Split View. We would like to make, we would like to send you over a, a you know a developer or have a development team at your disposal to you know you guys keep developing your app and we will add the Split View functionality." Now, this might sound stupid because you might be like, why would Microsoft take this on? But then why did they take on the hardware? Only to then, you know, toss it out and then God knows what happens to that hardware team. And then the industry just stays the same. You know, we our phones have gotten to the point where they're just these big slabs and we have more and more cameras and the screens are better and better. But we don't see a lot of, like a freakish amount of innovation really in the space. The pen, like... The pen on the note is like an innovation, but like, look how small of it, like realistically, look how small of an innovation that is. We had styluses before, just stuff like that. We have the dual screen LG phone, but that's because it was in, it's because it's in a dual screen case, but LG had a bunch of innovations in the past, such as the, the uh, LG G5, which had the modular thing. And that just fell through the cracks. The Moto mods, which were like the cameras and stuff. Those, that was a cool idea. Fall through the cracks. Again, developers and other hardware manufacturers because the moto mods were accessories or physical accessories they just fall through the cracks and so is it is it motorola's fault for bringing this to market driving this like hey everyone get excited about this nah. and because they all do that we never move forward anywhere there's a reason why computers are the same form factor they've been for a really long time so that's my rant that's my question is whose responsibility like what's your thoughts on this and can we get out of this? Like, is this a rut? Like, I kind of feel like this is a rut of of innovation. Okay, uh, okay. Let, let me let me tackle this because I do have some thoughts on it. Um, with the Microsoft Duo, Microsoft has a particular advantage in this: is that they have a suite of apps that they have meticulously developed for Android. All their Office apps, all their productivity to do lists, and all that apps. Right. They have a very like a good amount of productivity based apps that could take advantage of a second screen of a second side. So they have their edge browser all like they will have a browser. They'll have all the word processing like um, they'll have like OneDrive. They'll have uh, Excel could take advantage like all all of their office suite apps can take advantage of this. And that goes across a lot of different productivity spectrums. Right. Like. You can get almost anything you need done in a workflow with a Microsoft application. So that, in my opinion, is a huge advantage that Microsoft will have with this. Where they're going to have an issue is, like you said, having third-party apps developed for multiple screens like this. I think – but the counterpoint to that is there's not a lot of apps that need to because – the second screen is for productivity. It's for being able to do certain things faster. It's for being able to see certain information better. There's not a lot of apps on your phone that need to do that. If you, if you understand what I'm saying, like there's just not, 
there's not a lot of apps that would benefit from a second screen. Like all the all the Office apps, all the Microsoft Office apps, which will have that kind of functionality, yes, will benefit from the second screen and they will be there launch day. I can almost guarantee it. All that all that benefit will be there launch day. But what other app would you see have a have like a realistic benefit from this? Like Twitter. Let's let's take Twitter for example. Twitter was actually the first thing I thought of uh, of an improvement for. What would you do? Uh, an improvement improvement would be a lot of people have used things. I forget exactly what they're called, tweet walls or whatever. Where and, and this is on TweetDeck as well. Where if you would like to follow a specific hashtag, you could. So if if you use TweetDeck, just an explanation of what I mean as a backstory, real brief, is you can on TweetDeck you can pull up all your accounts and then have these columns where you can pull up different search results or different timeline things or whatever. So you can pull up a hashtag. So a lot of people will do actually have apps have had apps for that. I remember that back to the playbook days, the BlackBerry playbook days where there were literally these apps where they were called tweet walls or something where you would type in a hashtag and it would bring in random tweets about that like that had that hashtag in it. You could have that on the left screen and if you're if you're like an influencer, this is like the age of the creator, this is supposed to be a productivity device, right? You can have the left screen be one hashtag, the right screen be the other hashtag, and then you're ready to be sort of ready. You're or you're you're ready to to rock with in regards to that. Also, other things too for influencers: messages on one side, tweets on the right. See that you could do that type of thing. It's the same with Instagram too. You could do your you could you could do your post on the left, and do your story on the right, and publish them both together. Yeah. So, very good points. In my opinion. It's probably not going to happen. Not going to happen. Because, yeah, it's not – like if, if if history has anything to tell, the only way it will happen is – I don't think it's it's Microsoft doing it. The only way it will happen is if it sells extremely well. Yes. Like if it takes a market share, which I don't think it will. But if it does, then those app developers like Twitter, like, like uh, Facebook will create dual views of their apps. Now, the other thing that this gives you, that this device gives you, is literally have two separate apps open. Like, you can have Twitter and Instagram open at the same time. Which is nice. Which is On which two is separate nice. screens. So, that already is a pretty big, like, for a creator, that's already a pretty big motivation to buy a device like this. So, maybe we're wrong. Like, when I saw it first time, I was hesitant. But when, like, that Dave2D video that you were talking about, I watched that video as well. When he was demoing some of the emulator stuff... um, I saw the value of it. Like I saw, I legitimately was like, wow, that like, that could actually make my life easier for a few different things. It's not a lot. I don't know if it's worth buying a device like that just for those couple, you know, tasks that would be great to do side by side because I don't multitask a lot on my phone, but then again, I don't have two screens. So I probably would multitask more if I had two screens, separate screens. Yeah. Because having as big as the screen is, on the phone and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's still not the same to split like, you know, a, a, a rectangle into two squares. I'd rather have two rectangles and be able to do the same thing on both sides. So it, I think that that would 100% make it better in my eyes is having the two screens for a lot of different tasks. But on the other hand is I don't know if I'm willing to sacrifice uh, portability and just ease of use for having two screens. So. It, 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 I'm I'm up in the air on the whole idea of it. I think it's I think it's very interesting, and I hope it does well. Um, but it's I don't think third parties are going to come on for a very long time. Now, you said the onus is on Microsoft to do a lot of things, but I think the onus is on Google 
to promote it as much as they can. And I think they have done a little bit where they've, they've managed to put that emulator into Android Studio. Like, I'm pretty sure right now you can download an emulator oh, through yeah, Android, it's an Studio. Android Studio. Yeah, yeah which sure. is a, Google, a Google-based product, and you're able to develop your apps for it right now. So they've, they have preemptively launched it a year in advance of their launch date. Yes. I think it's about a year. So you have a year to do something with it. So they're giving people a chance. Now, if I was a Twitter, you know, CTO or project manager and I was in a board meeting, would I invest money into this? No. I would be like, let's wait and see how it sells. The thing is, though, is is like there is there is some onus on someone in terms of maybe it's Google. I don't really know where where's the standard. So, for example and I've never actually done this. So for example, if you attached your phone to an external display, which I'm sure you could, I know I can with Dex, Samsung Dex, but let's, you know, let's take it out of the proprietary sphere. And let's say you just have Android and you, you use, you extend the display. You have a secondary display. Shouldn't there be a standard there and then have it. So like on windows, you have windows is aware that you can have multiple displays and then Windows is also aware that your displays might be on the left of the screen, the right of the screen. One might be smaller. One might be a bit taller. One might be a... – so you can adjust those things. It's not like a huge amount of play, but it's it, it's a good amount. So your, your mouse lines up relatively. You know, your mouse is not appearing at the top of one monitor, and then when you scroll over, it's at the bottom of the other. Like there's those little things. Wouldn't it make more sense for, for there to be a standard for these guys to follow? So we're starting to see foldable phones. We're starting to see uh, multiple displays. It would be cool to just have a bit of backbone, like Android backbone, like back, back end, whatever, like the OS itself, having a more supported multi-display thing and then allow you to either just like export or not export, um, like project it to another display. So whether you're a guy that's using your phone like Dex, so you're using your Android phone on your computer and then you're allowed to use all these you're allowed to have like, you know, multiple displays on there, whether that's a thing that's even possible at this point, or like allow you to use, allow you to use something like Duo. So instead of Duo having a special thing, which they could do because it's Android, right? There's customizability, but it would be nice to have like sort of a, a core functionality that these guys, so like when Microsoft puts together the Duo, they go, oh, this is actually like the extended desktops type thing where you know, people people have the option to extend their desktop to, or to take their phone and project it onto a secondary monitor. Now, this is actually like, we'll make the left screen, like when you're holding it in a book mode, we'll make the left screen the primary monitor and then just tell Android where the secondary monitor is and that's how it works. Like, we see this a lot with Android, uh, with Samsung, is that Samsung had a, a dark mode in, in, in One UI and then they changed the dark mode I think they pretty much scrapped their own dark mode and they 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 adopted the Android dark mode which worked a little better for a few apps. So that like that type of innovation is sort of I would say done correctly. Samsung introduces it for their phones. Oh, you know whatever happens in the market, Google says, "Yep, we need that." And then they go and they they add a dark mode. But I just think that stuff like this is starting to get like like a like a foldable a foldable display is just like one big display. But why doesn't Android, or maybe it does, why doesn't Android have, at least not an on-mass an on consumer-aware thing, that this, like, multiple displays thing? Like, is, that, is this a thing that Android could do? Is this a thing that maybe Microsoft is doing, but we just we just don't know? I, I, just, I just don't, I like, I, I like seeing 
different form factor devices on the market with more of a an idea with more of a uniqueness to each idea on each phone it would be nice to just have that a prime example is the old Blackberries. Like I didn't care about the camera. Like right now, I bought this this Note 10 Plus because I really wanted the cameras. But back then, like I bought a freaking passport, man, and I would still be using a passport type phone right now. But I'm not going to use that brick thing that's out there right now. There's like this weird BlackBerry passport looking device out there right now. Um, oh, RIP BlackBerry, by the way. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty sad. But um, I mean, I'm not dissing this this sort of passport esque clone that Android has, but just it's just too big for me. But the thing is, is it's just like, it's just like back then I was into the innovation of it, man. Like I wanted that, t- that trackpad physical keyboard. I wanted that cool looking screen. I didn't care. I was like, oh, does it, like, does it take color pictures at HD? Yep. Good enough. Awkward, awkward screen resolution. Don't care. But now it's just a matter of like, everyone's after the same thing. Good screen. Good, good, good camera. And so we're not really getting innovation other than improvements in the same things. So I don't know if you have an answer for that multiple display thing on Android, Mike, because I'm really in the dark about that. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at right now. So, okay, from what I understand, Google has officially developed some full support for folding screen displays. Right. And uh, what Window, what Microsoft has done is take that support and adapt it for two displays. And they made their own design documents right and and sd and uh not only design documents but programming documents like help like helping a programmer to do this design patterns dual discrete dual dual screen design patterns that a programmer can implement uh based on those folding compatibility stuff that google's already made so it looks like they're doing it to a certain degree with what you're saying so it will be supported um, like putting an app from one side of the screen to the other, that's supported from the that folding the display folding thing. thing. So there is some like yes. Google backbone there. Yes, okay, there so is a, a a pretty significant Google backbone, and Microsoft has written other stuff on top of the Google backbone to help developers support their apps for this. So it's not going to be like a developer literally doing it from scratch. Right. They're going. They're going to have a backbone to answer your question. Um, it's just again. To do that, you still have to design a UI that works with two screens, or you have to you have to design a a way to utilize the second screen. But at least the backbone will be there for you to do it. It seems. Okay, well that's that, that's comforting in 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 some regard where it's not all the way obviously because it's 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 like retrofitted technology, but at least it's something that it's not a Microsoft fully proprietary like. You know what I mean? A whole a whole solution that Microsoft made, and then they have to support the whole thing, and they have to worry about it, and then, okay. Well, at least that, I guess. And then some apps, well, any app that doesn't support this, you know, the Duo specifically, is still going to look good. And here's another really quick aside, too. What really sucks is Microsoft's doing all this work in the Android side, and the Duo is coming out in a Windows form as well. But Windows sucks for touch, and I don't know why they don't realize that. Like, Windows is a horrible, a horrible tablet operating system. It is horrible. Like, I'm sorry? Keyboard's not coming up automatically? Good. Keyboard's lagging, like, for the pin? Good. Can't can't see your task manager, so you don't know what's open. There's apps open somewhere. I don't know whether you need to adjust your for that or something, but, like, why is it that on the screen? The tiles don't reflect if the things are open. Like, 
It's a bad OS, man. It's a bad tablet OS. What are they doing? So in what way do you not see the task manager? Are you talking about like when, when you're in like tile when mode? When I'm in tablet mode. Like when I'm in tablet mode, I should be able to be using – when I'm using – when I'm using my, my device as a tablet, I should I should be in tablet mode. And I, oh, I, and I okay. don't use it. Yeah, I don't. I would never use but, it in tablet but mode. But isn't that yeah, ridiculous? Useless. That is ridiculous. Uh, yeah. I would, yeah, I would say so. But the problem with Windows in general is that everything is so retrofitted already. So, like, if everything was in all-in-one kind of design language, it would be okay. Right. But the fact that you're in Windows, you have stuff from, like, XP. You have stuff from Windows 7. You have stuff from, like, Windows 95. You have stuff from Vista. You have stuff from Windows 10. Like, you have so many different design principles all in one and they're slowly going away from that but they're very slowly like extremely slowly like doing like one update they'll do like a little bit here like a little bit on the settings like they'll take a setting out of control panel put it into you know the regular windows 10 settings they're doing it too slowly that, in my that's opinion. weird that's weird that the control panel still understand. exists get rid of the kill they, the control panel that's exactly what i'm saying like they, what they should do is like get a development team and be like do this it's the same the function it's just a different it's like this button is going to do the yeah. same thing it does in control panel please move the well, button to this area the problem is that you're talking millions of lines of code and there's a lot of i mean dependencies yeah. like windows as a as a piece of software is kind of a nightmare because like because it's a general if you OS, think about right? it yes it's a general os and it has to be compatible with everything so it's not mac os where macOS on its own is already kind of a nightmare. But if you're talking about Windows, it's got to be compatible with literally like millions of applications out there that were – some of them were built in like 1998, 1999, <laughs> like how, Oh, man. And you have to have that infrastructure built into your system. So not only do you have to like be able to interact with it, an app needs to then be able to interact with the newer stuff as well and somehow detect which one it's using. Like there's so much in a Windows operating system that – is just it's just insane. I was listening to a podcast recently, and it was about that um, that uh, exploit in Windows that happened a few years ago, where all those computers that weren't security updated got taken over, pretty much. Like almost any computer that didn't have a certain security update uh, was taken over as ransomware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a, that. millions and millions, millions and millions of yeah, computers. It was real bad. Yeah, and so that kind of stuff. I guarantee you there's more exploits like that just waiting to happen because there is millions upon millions of lines of code. No one can possibly test all that. No one can secure all that. It's not possible to secure. It's just too big. And there's no way to stop it because otherwise you're going to have a Windows RT issue. Like they they tried. They're like, oh, we'll have like a Windows for, you know, for I mean, they're kind of embedded. doing. They're kind of. Oh, I'm bumping my microphone. They they they're kind of uh, doing that right now again, right? Like they they completely abandoned. Like RT was on ARM processors, and then they, ab- yes. they completely abandoned it, and now they're kind of going back to it again, right? But with a compatibility mode. Oh, what's what do you mean? I I I, I so vaguely remember this, all, but I don't know. So okay, so what what they did is, uh, and I don't understand why, but the compatibility mode, how it works, is any 32-bit EXE application can still work. Okay. Uh, but it runs through like an emulator, like a like a emulates. binary converter or some some crap. It's, I'm not sure how they convert it, but it runs through like an emulator, so the performance is tanked. Like if you run Photoshop on it, that's not like uh, <laughs> I, I don't think they have. It's terrible. Like it's a terrible experience. So any anything that's not 
na- natively built to Windows 10, whatever, whatever their UWP like language is. Like an app, not like a, a, not a like desktop app. Like an app, which yeah. they don't exist, essentially. Like, they all suck and they don't exist. If you're not running one of those, you're going to have worse performance. It'll still run for the most part, but you're going to have worse performance. But if it's, a only, if it's an app built only for 64-bit, it can't be emulated. So you're out of you're out of luck. So if you have an ARM device in, with Windows right now, and there's an app out there that they don't have a 32-bit version of that app, which you can't run, which it. is something that started it's starting to become deprecated. Like people don't want 32-bit yes. versions of applications. Exactly. That that's why I was confused about that limitation. That's that's exactly the reason I was like, that's really weird. Stuff like that. It, stuff like that always makes me question why. Like th- that's an innovation, right? That yes. just doesn't make sense. Yep. Where it's like, Absolutely. why would you? That'd be like a, that'd be like a BlackBerry phone where for some reason the keyboard's on the back, and when you turn it over to like type on the keyboard, you can't see the screen. It's like it's innovative, is it? You know, <laughs> like why the hell did you do that? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a weird. So it's a weird decision on their part. Apparently, most applications do have a 32-bit version. I looked into this, um, so it's not a huge issue. But it's weird. But again, you're sacrificing performance whenever you're using you're using a 32-bit application on certain to a certain degree, and it's just you're also I'd be worried about the future. Like if I buy one of those devices right now, I know no one's going to be developing UWP applications. Like that's not happening. I I have a I have a a theory about that too. Not as in a brief aside, just because we're kind of getting off topic now. But one of the things that I think they should do. Uh, is okay. So the the win the Microsoft uh, UWP just for a little background the UWP stuff that Mike's talking about is uh they're the apps that are in the Microsoft Store, the preloaded store that comes with all your Windows 10 devices, and I honestly think that the store itself isn't too bad. It's like the popular like what's in there isn't great and that type of thing. But the store itself is kind of innovative where it shows you the devices it'll work on. You know, when Windows Phone was a thing, it used to say this works on phone, Surface Hub, it works on, you know, the 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 desktop. It runs it works on HoloLens. It works on Xbox, whatever. Like I really like how Microsoft has all these devices and has all these platforms and they're aware of what things run on. So that type of stuff is really well done on there. The th- the problem I think is is you can't have a separation between W UWP, which is like the apps in there, and then EXEs that you normally download. I honestly think that you should not have a difference. And if you do, because there's probably a technical reason, and there's probably a you know a technical reason for a good reason, right? Or a complex reason, what that Microsoft store should do is just have them both in there. And what they should have done is, is if, for example, the UWPs are there, right? They exist now. And then, you know, EXEs exist for some reason. And let's say you download, I don't know, what's a, you download a, you download Spotify. This is a totally made up, totally made up thing because Spotify actually has a UWP. Let's just say it doesn't. So let's say Spotify only has an EXE. Hypothetically, they go and they like, where, how do we distribute this? Well, put it on your website. Sure. Hooray for your life. But. You know, when they ha- when Spotify has an app on a cell phone, they don't just put it on their website. They have a badge. You click on it, and it goes to your App Store or to your Android Play, Google Play Store, whatever. Like, Spotify doesn't care whether they actually host that EXE. What I'm saying is, is nobody sees the Microsoft Store as a distribution channel. 
the Google Play Store is clearly like you know like Spotify isn't desperately hanging on being like no please download our app from our website only please you know because you could do that on Android just install it from third party stores so what I'm saying is is that Microsoft Store should quite literally just allow EXEs in there. And then if they want people to use UWPs, just make UWPs better over time, and people will start to write apps for your UWP. iPadOS has apps specifically for it, like Photoshop, because there was a benefit there. And then that took a long time to create. Like they oh, kept yeah. promising Photoshop and all that, and then it only just came out, like with the iPad Pro, whatever. I mean, it's the, the a big pro- undertaking. The is, certainly, it's a huge undertaking. Like, I don't think, and I don't think it's a realistic one. Like, I don't think that right, like Microsoft is going to get people to write a lot of these UWP apps. But the thing is, like, is if they had them both, does that matter then? It it matters because what the benefit of UWP is the fact that um, a it's written more to the hard more to the hardware. So it run it'll run better, but I think there's also a security benefit. So it can't take over your computer and start doing shit that it doesn't see. Like the it, it it's there's less chance of it being malware. Whereas if they put uh, EXEs on here, then there's a high chance of people just submitting a bunch of viruses onto their store and them not being able to see it because EXEs are compressed to the point where you would have to open it have a virus on your computer and then figure out that it's a it's a virus unless it has something obvious i mean admittedly though like an apk like there's a lot of malware i mean i I remember there used to be some scammy apps on the microsoft store too but there there is a lot of malware even on android but is it is limited like it is like they do have a way of of finding it and canceling it out whereas if it's an exe they wouldn't i see okay yeah yeah. I mean, so that's the issue. Now there is a way, I believe, or they were working on a way for people to package their EXEs as UWP apps. I remember that. Yep, I remember. You that. remember that? I don't know if that. I don't know where that went, but I'm assuming what that would allow is for them to detect what it's doing and be able to say if it's malware or not, whatever. Like I, I think it all comes down to a security issue. Like they don't want shit on their store that is going to go in and steal people's money and information and all that without specifically saying that it's doing that, I guess. (laughs) Well, one of the things that really sucks, too, is, like, for example, I needed to uh, apply a custom setting to Sea of Thieves. I had Sea of Thieves on my computer. And uh, what ended up happening was I just ended up having to play it on my Xbox because it's an Xbox Play Anywhere title. Because uh, I had to... I couldn't... First of all, like, you can't just select the EXE or the shortcut or the thing that runs it because it's a UWP. Like, it's it's in the Microsoft Store. Like, Sea of Thieves is a Microsoft game. So I had to, like make a shortcut on my desktop that pointed to, like, some folder that I had to, like, make no, no longer hidden. I had to, like, give myself yeah. permissions. Like, I had to, like, dig in. Like, this is, like, a, you know, not a super advanced thing, but it's, like, an intermediate Windows user thing where if you fuck this up, like, that's not good. Yep. And Exactly. And it's, like, so those UWPs are limited, which sucks. And that's probably why yep. some EXEs are, like, I'm not doing this because God knows what limitations the actual developers have. Probably quite a like, bit. Like, oh, you, you can't touch more than 200 megs of space? Well, I'm a photo app. I need it, you know? Well, probably not that, but well, still, like stuff, I, I see yeah, what you're saying. Yeah. stuff up. Stuff, yeah. st- stuff like that. I can definitely see uh, I can definitely see developers being like, yeah, I'm not doing this if I can do an EXE. The only way that Microsoft is going to get people to do it, unfortunately, is to drop support for EXEs. And in that case, people are just going to move to a different operating system. So they, they, they're in a place where they can't really win with UWPs. 
So I think they either have to abandon it or go for the long game. Like just keep waiting and keep incentivizing and stuff like that until people start building more and more apps. Because I'm looking at the Microsoft Store right now. There is quite a bit here. I mean, there's yeah, there's Netflix, than, Spotify, iTunes. That's yeah. a that's a banger right there. Like, damn. The other thing is that there's not. I'm one of those people that will do everything in a browser. There's that too. Yeah. Like, yep, yep. Yep. I would rather. Yeah. I would rather open up Netflix in a brow in Chrome and watch it at 720p than going into the Start menu and opening up Netflix. I don't know why. I, I have the Netflix either. app. If there if, if, if there's app. an app, I use the app, like the actual but app. But I don't. I have the app. I don't use that, it. That's weird. It's weird. That, right? That's weird. It's weird. But I'm not the only one. Like I've read, I've read this a lot, where like people just on a Windows machine for whatever reason prefer to use the browser. That that's like a common trend. And let us know in in the like you know add us on Twitter if that applies to you. If you're still listening to us right now, um, because I'm curious. Where you are you on team Matt with this? Where you use a separate app if it exists, or are you on team Mike uh, with? Where we're doing we're doing teams. That's it. With just there's even Facebook and Messenger browser. on here. I use I used to use the Messenger on the on the on the browser. No more. No longer. Do it up. I'm not. I'm, it has a bad rating, so that's oh really? So that that's that's going to be your although indication. I have so, I, so does although Netflix. I have, actually, wait. Yeah. So does Netflix. What's going on here? All right. That's it. I'm pressing get. Then that's it. Press yeah, it right now. Do it. Yeah, you're on team. Matt. Watch it. Watch it. Like shut off my microphone or something crazy thing. Anyway, I think that's all we have to say on that. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, I think we've, gone, we, on topic. we've gone on too many tangents right now. Anyway, but yeah. Well, I, I, I think good. that was a good web news. Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, despite the uh, despite the tangents, those are at least related tangents. I think. Uh, but anyway. Thank you for listening, and make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing on the platform of your choice. You can follow us on the socials via at HTML, all the things. That's on Facebook and Instagram. You can follow us on Twitter. That's via at HTML everything. We're on Medium, and we're on GitHub. And remember, on Patreon, that's patreon.com slash HTML, all the things. Check out the tiers and give that a go. And with that being said, many thanks to our $3 tier patrons, Sean from RabbitWorks JavaScript. Find him at youtube.com slash rabbitworks JavaScript. Garrick from Local Path Computing and Web Design. Find him at localpathcomputing.com. Craig, aka Cosworth. Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital. Find him at blueblackdigital.com. Chris from selfmadewebdesigner.com. Tim from thewebhacker.com. And DL Ford from dlford.io. Feel free to leave a comment or a review on the platform that you are listening to this on, and we are signing off. Yeah.